So the ongoing training, actually, in my opinion, is rare coming from different, working with different clients who have literally zero. And I find that fascinating. How do you, yes, you implement a new CRM like Bullhorn. And that's a lot of work. And I understand that. But there are always so many little things that they're constantly updating and changing. And that can actually change your entire business that you don't know about because you don't have anybody who's actually looking at that. And they'll be to teach other people to do that. This episode is brought to you by Kyla Partners. Kyla at Bullhorns Specialist and Bullhorns First Implementation Partner. Our solutions have helped 950 companies worldwide to streamline, automate, and customize to get the most out of Bullhorn. Our products provide you with the tremendous ROI, including a complete document management system, Kylo Awesome Docs, and the most powerful data management tool in the ecosystem, Kylo Data Tools. To learn more, visit kylopartners.com. This episode is brought to you by Leap Consulting Solutions. Digitally transform your business the right way, the Leap way. Visit www.leapconsultingsolutions.com to find out more on how your business can build, change, and adopt technology the right way, the Leap way. What's up, Lauren? How are you today? I am awesome. Well, that's, that's a... That's a not sure. <laughs> so I, this weekend, it's, uh, I'm going to have black eyes tomorrow. Um, uh, but, um, it, I, I was putting away Valentine's day because sadly my favorite holiday, the year is over. And so we have to put all the pink, although I just haven't quite given it yet. <laughs> she uh, loves Valentine's day. I do. Do I love it so much. If you're going to dedicate a day to kissing love. Oh, and, no, don't say it again. You've already said it on last it. week's episode. Oh, oh, I know. Oh, I just listened to that to this morning. Session. All right. But I, so I was putting Valentine's day and away and the wooden turkey that we have that's about 20 pounds hit me right on the bridge oh, of my no. nose and i ran i gotta tell you i ran i was seeing tweety birds so lauren just went cross-eyed she flipped her glasses up she went cross-eyed she went normal yeah. she went cross-eyed again yeah and now I, we're, it, and now we're good it rang my bell i could so you were I, like I a, came, you did a boxing match with a fake turkey and you lost. i did i came out of the container we're and still apparently standing. Blood was rushing. Oh, no. Oh, no. Mr. Jones was like, oh, yeah, was, Mr. Jones. Yeah, I had a full on blood coming down the nose. So it was I just, just want me. you to know, I don't know Mr. Jones' first name still. Uh, yeah. So anyway, what? what is his first name? My husband. Yeah. Peter. Peter. Yeah. I did not. I never, I, I think you said that to me. Mr. Jones. I just saw Mr. Jones. So it's all good. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Cool. Well, guys, we are continuing our focus on company culture, team building, uh, with probably the one most nearest and dearest to Lauren and Mai's heart. I'm a former high school teacher and uh, coach. Lauren uh, does this for a living still, which is super cool. So training and development. So with oh, us today, and I'm really excited to say her last name, uh, we have Marin Bro, managing partner of Boone Holland. Um, Marin, did I say that right? You did it so right. Good job. Oh, cool. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, welcome. How welcome. are you? I was like confused. She made a face at me, guys. So I <laughs> I wasn't How are you? What off? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Excited to be here. Sweet. We're excited to have you. So, you. guys, we you know we talked to um, the guys over at Insight Global about culture consulting and the importance of it for for success for your business. 
We talked to Keith uh, Waitman and Jen Harnbach of Bullhorn about how they build teams. So they've been building one together for 10 years. Talked to Adam Posner on the future of work and team building. And now let's get to actually how you get, you get down and dirty and get it done, everybody. So. Yes. There's so much great content around learning and development and best practices. And, you know, I, I love that we're having this conversation now because as we call, came into 2023 and this sort of uncertainty, uncertainty, certainty of what was going to happen. Let's try that again. Um, it's the turkey. Just rang my bell. <laughs> Kate Lauren is still TKO. <laughs> still TKO. Yeah. Um, but uncertainty as we come into this year, um, you know, disappointingly, I'm seeing some of those training budgets uh, being cut and, you know, projects that were surrounding learning and development being put on pause. And I say, no, now is the time. Uh, you know, if if there is uncertainty, invest in your people. It will help with retention. It will help with culture. It'll help with adoption and ROI and all the things that you're looking to achieve. Um, and oftentimes this sort of, you know, trigger, uh, we get a little trigger happy with putting things that have to do with learning and development on pause. And I, I think it's the wrong reaction uh, to a time like this. Uh, well, I completely agree with you. I think something to do that um, a lot of people do with training and development is to your point, Lauren, they do pull back. Um, and I think that a lot of CEOs who haven't really been around the block more than once haven't really been able to see, okay, it's not producing, right? So let's take the very first thing that we can in order to save money and get rid of anybody who's not producing, not making money for the company. It's incredibly short-sighted because to your point, it's all about building that culture. Um, I think for me during COVID, um, I was at the time overseeing training and development for a large um, staffing firm. And um, rather than reducing our team, what we actually did was we worked really closely with the sales teams, with the recruiting teams, and we developed weekly training programs for the entire business. And we really kind of doubled down into what we can do in order to support the teams and support the sales aspects when everything was so incredibly, you know, unknown, right? So what can we do with that? We can look at our CRMs. We can look at LinkedIn. How do we use LinkedIn better for sales? How do we actually have those conversations? You know, people were running great books of business but hadn't done cold calling in a long time. They didn't need to. Now we do. So let's teach these people how to actually do that, come up with those scripts. So as opposed to pulling back, instead, we just, again, like I said, double down. And we didn't reduce our staff at all. And instead, we actually were able to survive and thrive um, during COVID as well. So I think that that's a good example of not needing to be able to actually pull away from training and how it does help with the culture. Absolutely does. And I think that so often, you know, we get into as, as a business, you know, we get into our habit or our ways of doing things and we sort of stop learning. And therein, I think, lies the first opportunity is that, you know, that th this idea that training is this one and done, or I'm going to, or the only time that I do training is because I'm doing something new, or I've inserted something, and it doesn't have to be like that. There are learning opportunities with your existing process uh, constantly, reevaluating workflows, reevaluating process. It's all an opportunity to continue to streamline from all vantage points. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I think it's really interesting in, in my career and all the people that I have worked with in terms of training, the different consultings and clients that I've had, not even just everything from junior recruiters all the way up to managing directors. 
is every single time I do work with somebody and I will actually take people who think that they do know everything, to be honest, and say, you ought to do this for years. It works for me. That's great. But when I actually do take people and teach them even anything new, a half an hour, my one goal is for them to walk away and say, this is something that I learned. I've never, not once in the 10 plus years of doing this, had somebody not walk away and say that they learned something that actually was able to work with and affect their book of business every single time. I do that all the time with the saved list searches. Yes. It's oh, so totally. It is the funniest thing. People are like, uh, one of one of my one of like my buddies I used to work with now is like the president of a staffing firm down here in Miami. And he's like, uh, you know, I downgraded my bullhorn to not enterprise. So I don't have these dashboard cards. So how do I do reporting? And I'm like, you save a list view and you can see all your submissions and placements based on time periods. I mean dial it down even further and save those. If you want to make, you, if you want to be even lazier, you can be as lazy as you want, but just have a really long <laughs> list of saved searches. Uh, it's just amazing. Um, you know, uh, that, that just fact of like, that's such an easy, I, like I learned that so early, but I had ongoing training. So I don't know. I, I'm probably one of the exceptions or part of this. I'm in the right tribe here. So well, Mary, go, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go, no, 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 you go, go ahead. Okay, well, I was just going to say that I think I think that um, to your point, Robin, and to see like the spark and like, wow, I didn't know that. But at the same time, it's just so the ongoing training, actually, in my opinion, is rare coming from different working with different clients who have literally zero. And I find that fascinating. How do you, yes, you implement an CRM on like bullhorn. And that's a lot of work. And I understand that. But there are always so many little things that they're constantly updating and changing and that can actually change your entire business. That you don't know about because you don't have anybody who's actually looking at it and they'll be to teach other people to do that. Yeah, cool. We say, well, well, I got one point. Onboarding, it'll be very quick, I promise. You go. <laughs> you go. So onboarding happens once, training happens all the time. Those are the, So if you're onboarding someone, it's not training them. You're just onboarding them to what your business is. Training yeah. happens. Sorry, Lauren, I apologize. No, don't don't apologize. I I mean, I, I we're all passionate uh, uh, about this topic. So I I I mean, I I love that. I, this is a learning podcast, right? So how if you haven't up until this point, let's say we've got an agency, they've made these you know investments. If you haven't created a culture of kind of constant learning, where do you think, Marin, somebody would start? That's a great question. So I have a lot of thoughts on this and I hope that they're not um, too, um, too out there. But I actually think one thing that's really important in terms of where to start is finding actual producers who want to train. I think that taking somebody who's actually produced in the past gives them so much more credibility um, so that it lends itself to people actually listening um, to the trainer and to the learning and development team. So I have found that to be incredibly successful, both in the perspective of, okay, they've done it, they've sat in the seat. Um, so they've used these tools, they've used this, um, you know, they've been successful in what this is. So that, again, just lends to the credibility, but it's also to be able to use those examples during mm -hmm. the training, you're able to actually apply it right away, right? And actually be able to also kind of pivot the training to be what that person will need over others. Um, so I think finding producers who maybe aren't, we're not talking about the top billers, right? Top billers are always going to want billing, understandably. We're talking about the people who do add to culture. You have the really great people that you love in your organization, but maybe they're mediocre. Maybe they'd be willing to raise their hand. I also am a little selfish in this because I was a producer and I was like, mm, I'm kind of bored. I'm doing okay, but what's next? And so I was the one who raised my hand and said, I'm really interested in this. Can I do this? And I was lucky enough to have that support. But the reason I got that opportunity is because 
everybody in the organization knew who I was, knew I was a producer, and that you know, gave more credence to myself and the team I ended up building. I, so I got to tell you, um, probably one of the most impactful times in my career that I can remember, like just feeling so sharp was one of the requirements. Um, it, it was uh, like a senior director role, but you had to do the training um, of your team. Uh, now you had a training department that would support you with content and, you know, whatever you needed, but you needed to facilitate. And so it was this whole sort of certification process of train, train the trainer. And at first I, I was like, I don't, as a producer, you know, I was running a really, really large region. Do I have three days to just like give away? What ended up happening um, is that, you know, you don't, you're not doing it all the time. Um, you know, we actually timed our hiring around when, you know, we, we were thinking, okay, we can do these things quarterly. We could, what it did was gave, gave me three days with new hires. And that was time because I was a traveling, you know, senior director that I just, I didn't get that like total focus one-on-one -on -one time with them. Again, I, I'm coming in and out and sitting down and managing their manager and, you know, all of those things. And it created this, this connect connection to our mission of, you know, the region um, because they're hearing it directly from their senior leader. Not only that, but um, going through that content sort of constantly forced me to evaluate the process, make sure it was still relevant, make sure if there were changes that needed, needed to be made because we were making a vertical switch or a vertical add-on or we were doing this or this, I could make those adjustments so that the training was relevant to what was happening today and not in you know some ivory tower content. But then more importantly, as far as you know that facilitation, man, you want to talk about consistency. It created this culture of consistency. Uh, and I knew when someone uh, someone would call and say, your person said this or that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I know exactly how they're trained. I know exactly, you know, when we're doing shadowing, I know the words that are coming out of their mouth and this is inconsistent to our, our culture. And it just created this consistency with the methodology and the words that we use and all it, it just created this really sticky culture. So I, I love the idea that, look, you don't have to start your own big, gigantic training department. You can enable, you know, some of your uh, some of your producers that are, you know, are interested in doing this and really help them sharpen their tool. I think that it was just a great way. Um, for me to stay sh super engaged and sharp in all the content, understand what, you know, the outcomes, uh, what those, you know, desired outcomes were and process all of that good stuff. So I, I, I think that's spot on there. Well, I think there's this idea that we like, you know, human beings love heroes. So if it's a producer, kind of like, like whatever reason you look up to that person, right? So if they're telling you, hey, this works, it's got a little bit more weight. You know. Yeah, and I mean, it, there's and it's, validation it's, when you hear it from another peer, or yeah. you know, I, I I think that that that's we're not we're sitting in a room with them saying this is how we do things, this is how I do things. You yeah, know, we're not asking them to do anything that we aren't willing to do, and it was just such a great representation of a learning culture just right out of the gate with new people. Man, I, I think 
I really want to have like a, a sound bar that just plays This Is How We Do It from Montel Jordan. Yes, okay, sorry, I'm done. <laughs> or I could just record Lauren doing it. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that does bring up something else I was actually thinking about when I was, you know, thinking about the podcast and some ideas that I had in, in, for this conversation is also, I feel like training a lot of the time in large organizations isn't necessarily, they don't necessarily have a seat at the table. Um, when we are, they are talking about larger initiatives, different strategies, you know, are we going to go bin up this vertical? Are we going to put more into this, et cetera, et cetera? How are, you know, how are our producers doing? Do we need to reassess that? Um, and I think that's actually such a, a, an important piece too, because to your point, Lauren, um, you know, training is developing the content. Luckily, in the way that your your business was run, you were able to see and be like, okay, no, we're actually changing this and this is a new shift. But at the same time, it's so important for the trainers to understand that so that they can update the content. So we yeah. make sure the content that we are giving to all of our producers for our business are as on, on spot and, and what it needs to be as possible because we're always changing, right? It's a business. Yeah. You're not going to see or else you'll die. Well, it's the culture, right? It's like training the culture, training the values, right? Exactly. It, the, you don't have a seat at the table and they're talking about changing things to Lauren's point uh, when she was like, you know, running the division, but also getting to train, um, you know, these people, these new, you know, the newcomers, it's uh, going to deploy the culture or directly down and kind of instill it in them. So I don't, uh, you know, the seat at the table thing is, uh, it's great on paper. Fair. You know, it's not necessarily the best for the business. Good for yeah. egos. Good for, good for, you know, piece of paper, like I the resume. I just, I think I'm with Merit on this one. I, I, I think that, you know, I, I, so well, we wrote an article on it. Well, no, right? I'm saying like not being, training, not being a part of it. Like oh, being an exclusive, it. making it exclusive is. I thought is, you were saying the, training shouldn't have a state of the no, table. No, 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 no. Like, oh, so, I, Merit, you, I, Merit, I thought you rock. got me. I thought you got what I was that's, saying. That's, 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 I was saying that like being exclusive is not really helpful to your business. Correct. 100%. Absolutely. Also, because if you're leaning on the training team for really the assistance of, you know, we're not talking just about the actual soft skills, right? We're talking about the hard skills and technology as well, that implementation. And when you find out, you know, three months later that this team is having all of these issues with, let's say, a free tool that, for example, Bullboard has that you had no idea about. Okay, it could have solved all of those if I had just known that this is the direction we were going, right? So all of these, you know, you've all been struggling for months and I could have helped you with the technology that I know is available for free um, that we can implement, you know? So it's, it's that lends itself uh, to- don't, well. Wait, don't get Lauren started on Band-Aid buying and, mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. Yeah, look at her, she's growling. Wow. Uh, that's how I know. Mm -hmm. That's how it happens. You know, we've had multiple customers this year who've come in the gate and they're so over-purchased on product. And part of the reason is because there's a pain. So we buy something. We buy something to pacify the need as opposed to, you know, working with our training department, working with biz ops to- We well, don't have a training and, department. Yeah. Well, working with operations, working with anyone, talking to someone other than yourself or a software oh. salesperson. I will sell you whatever you want to buy. I know. <laughs> you know, there's so much of that. I mean, 17 and a half billion dollars worth of tech is just coming at people right now, just at buyers. And it's really easy and it feels easier in the moment to go ahead and make that purchase and then just go, okay, now implement it. Now you can shut up about that as opposed to taking inventory of what you already have and determining do I already own it? Is it on one of the products that I already own? Is it on their roadmap? Is it going to be available next week? 
which you'd be surprised how many people buy something because it wasn't available right that moment. But if they just waited two little weeks, it would have been available and there would have been less disruption. And all we would have had to do is go, we've got a new version of this because we're staying engaged. And that that's therein lies where, you know, training and then product management, managing those products, understanding what's changing and developing within them is so, so fundamental to feeding. You know, that is the lifeblood to training from a content perspective. All right. So we got two things that they're going to cause ROI from having a great training department. One, we have better optimization of human beings using technology. Mm -hmm. And two, we have not band-aid buying because you have someone who understands what the hell is going on in your ecosystem. I see two points of savings or optimization and savings here, right? What are we missing, yep. Marin? What else are we missing? What else are we missing? I think, I mean, to be honest, a lot. I have a whole list. Um, oh, but, come on. Bring yeah. it on, girl. Yeah, Bring it on. Wait, get it. I, well, I think, I mean, I get both of these pieces and, and something that, that we've talked about before um, and both these pieces led into it too, but it's just a change management, right? The overall ability. By the way, just so you know, like, we had our pre-call, so Laura and I were the audience there, but the audience now is everyone who's going to listen to this. So, if you, like, don't worry about repeating the Laura and I. Just keep, just say okay, whatever. Awesome. Yeah, just, keep going. Okay. Um, but is the change management piece, right? Because both of those points, you actually do lend to the change management, but the ability to actually be able to oversee that process and make sure that it's actually successful is the training team, too. It is the ability to have a team that's actually capable of creating this change, right? But also gives the culture, again, to tie it all back, you know, gives the uh, the culture for the business um, to be able to trust that change, right? So we know that the team is actually going, they know what they're doing, they know what they see, they've done the research, they understand the product. Now let's implement it, but also the support afterwards, right? Because whenever there is change, really what I think a lot of people miss out on is all of, everything that's going to happen after it's implemented, right? Everyone just thinks, oh, that's inflammation and put the use in day and that's it. There's so much more work that happens after that is a consistent and constant need for a long time. Um, and we're taking weeks, months, et cetera, et cetera, before it's actually successful. So having a team there who actually understands that is really important too. Training is one component of change management. Change management, I mean, I mean, there's all sorts of methodologies, ADCAR and um, and and but I think what what those systems tell you is that you must prepare the the organization for the change. It's a behavioral take the fear away, recognition, understand that there's psychology um, to change. And for some people, it's scary. It's hard. And so being a, a little bit understand empathy, right? Leading all things with empathy. If you can understand um, that your end user, you know, who's been using the system for 15 years one way, uh, probably is, isn't excited about this change, uh, you have to you have to empathize with that and understand that and 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 so prepare the end user for what's happening. We have a two week long campaign, uh, you know, if we're doing a large enterprise rollout where we're marketing, we're essentially internally selling, you know, um, and and you're you're selling, you're saying, hey, this is what's coming. We're getting our end users exciting. We're attaching them to the why, um, and I think the why is so important. Why is this change coming? Um, why is this change coming? Why are we, um, how is this pointed in the right direction to our mission, vision, and values? What's my part in this? Uh, those are so, so important to get communicated early on so that when we do take action and we start training, people see that this, I know what my part is. 
I know what I need to learn of this. And then understand that from a retention perspective, it's going to be very little that's retained in a, in a, you know, a, a week long, you know, training session. So understand that this is a rinse and repeat type of thing. That's another thing that I think gets lost in translation. And then finally, it's the follow-up, follow-up, follow-up survey, 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 follow-up, 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 survey. And understand- You can run an automation to do a check-in. Seriously, what did we miss? Where do you want more? Did you like it? Did you, you know, do you- Ask our, you new favorite, our new favorite question. question, how did you receive that training? How did you receive that? I love that question so much. All right. How did you receive it? I love Guys, it. Guys, you, know you know Lauren's passionate when she starts banging on the keyboard. By the way, Mary, when Wait. I put my hands up, I'm literally trying to tell Lauren to stop smashing the desk underneath her. That's what that means. I have my hands up. I'm like, You're not I'm innocent. Baron. Mary's like, why is Rob doing that? I was because thinking that, yes. Lauren, like... Lauren gets passionate and she starts to Hulk smash anything in her vicinity Hulk either with her elbows desk. or her hands and mm-hmm. that's how i know she's passionate yeah so that, it, yeah. like yeah anyway all right so we got so we got driving roi from a change management perspective what else you got on the list mary let's go i'm excited gosh um, i think also the ability for producers to produce right? Producers are meant to produce and so i feel really strongly that training team gives you the ability to actually take that the onus away from the managers. So I have this one client who um, they, they came to me originally and they said, like, we really, our managers are currently um, treed. They didn't have it. You and Lauren, for your example, you actually had a training, training team that content, right? In this right. case, they had nothing. They were literally like, okay, here's a new hire. Good luck. Train them everything. And we're talking very junior people, maybe even entry level. So they came to me originally and said, we're, we're thinking about this. What can you do for us? We start conversations. They went to their board and said, we're thinking about doing this. And the board said, absolutely not. Another board didn't really know anything about recruiting, to be very clear. Um, but they said, absolutely not. We think it's really important from a culture perspective that the managers are training. So um, they um, then, and I, you know, okay, fine. I disagree with that, but I'm here if you need me. They came back to me about a year later and they said, our board now completely changed their mind because guess what happened? The managers, one, really weren't training. I mean, why would they train? They're still billing. They're still running multiple people teams, right? They don't have the time necessarily to train, but Lauren, to your point, they didn't even have the content, right? So they're literally flying by the seat of their pants and really getting frustrated when juniors aren't able to actually understand right away and change right away. So then they came back to me, their board completely changed their mind because they were literally losing revenue because they had all of these juniors leaving, right? So going back into culture, why would a junior who's getting constantly no support at all is getting yelled at because they're not doing well, but also they don't even know what they're doing. Why are they going to stay? So then they leave, making culture, um, you know, just not a pleasant place to be. Then they ask me to come back in. Um, so, and come spending in and money, act- spending money consistently on new hires, not, you know, not getting the most out of the hires you have, taking producers off the desk, even though they're player coaches, right? It's, you know, because there's always a billing sales manager, um, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but if I find out that salespeople are going to have to run the implementation of a product I'm selling, I will charge you more to one, convince you not to do that to me or my team because it's going to waste their time. Uh, and two, because it's going to take more effort out of my team and more time to get it implemented. And then you're going to come back on us and be like, hey, why did you said it was going to take four to six weeks? And I said, hey, it's going to take four to six weeks if you give us your time. Who did you assign to run this? Oh, you assign people who have to generate revenue. Yeah. 
that is not like they're not going to give us time if they don't, if they can go make money. Like that's not their priority. So it, it it's like the same idea, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. I think I think that's really you know, you, you both, I remember being a player coach and. I would try and make like, I mean, I'm, I'm usually very brief to begin with. Like you've got emails for you, Marin. <laughs> Not a lot of fluff. <laughs> yeah. Like just get to the, like, I don't want to read a fluffy email, nor do I want to write it. So, uh, yeah, I just try to get to the point. Um, that doesn't mean I don't have care, thought and, you know, empathy for it. I just know that I don't want to experience that personally. So I'm not going to do that to anybody else. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think that's a, a good use of a player's coach's time. You know, like if you're going to have to be in there and in the trenches, it's the trainees got to be quick and the point, right? Like turn around, make sure they're cool. Like, you know, spend time if they really need it. Uh, like, you know, I have an employee, you know, I have a coworker who needed extra time. So we had an hour chat on the phone, but that like, that was the first time in six months I've ever sat down and talked to them for an hour every day for a week, just to make sure that they were cool. And like, we we're on the same page. But other than that, I'm like, Hey, you good? Okay. Here's what we need to do. Boom. Let's go. That's, you know, coaching and playing. So anyway. Well, what would you? Oh, go, ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say one thing, uh, one more thing too, is that one thing I think is really important as well. And you know, we're talking about training and learning and development, but one thing that's really important too is not taking somebody away from their desk for too long. Training doesn't have to mean a week long program where they're completely off their desk, right? It doesn't have to require that. You know, we need to oh, look yeah. at as you know drips, right? And that's what gets the best result. So I think it doesn't have to be this huge team, this huge implementation, and this thing right it it really truly can just be those small drips from just one person that it, makes a difference in my, ah. in my defense my training was the person wanted to feel connected and it was after hours like towards the end of the day so sure and you're in defense but i Marin, that's a really great point um that 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 you bring up there that it, it doesn't have to be so intensive and so disruptive i we used to have lunch and learns until california decided you can't lunch and learn so we call them stop alerts Okay, so fine, you know, <laughs> we're just taking a moment to, welcome to California, but we're just taking a moment to stop, learn, and what's so funny about that is when you can, you know, give give your people something like that to grab onto, it becomes, you know, part of your culture. Are we doing a stop and, stop and learn this week? You know, what's on the stop and learn? We, and people would get so excited about what was coming next. And that it's those little things that help you create, you know, connection to ongoing learning. Excellent. Stop, collaborate, and learn. Stop. Yeah. What? What? Stop, collaborate, and learning. (laughs) I think Vanilla would approve of that. So I think Vanilla would approve. Well well done. All right. I mean, send up, uh, we're, we're, we're bringing it all to 90s song references today. Right? I know, right? And that, and this is how we do. <laughs> we had all <laughs> All right. Cool. Um, so lots of, like, I, I, hopefully people listening um, have found lots of ways to change their mind around thinking or readjust their mind or have an adjustment on how they think about training and learning development. Um, I've always had a learning development person when I was in staffing. So I'm definitely spoiled. They definitely were in charge of the tech stack with the leadership team. Um, and my original trainer is like an SVP of operational excellence at the well, you know, locals company now. So it's a great career path too, by the way, because uh, you do, if it's done right, it's got a great alignment with leadership and 
how do you get the most out of the business, which let's be honest, is the entire point of doing business. Yes. Any other, do we hit the end of the list or we still got more? I may review it really quickly. Um, I'm excited. By the I way, Merritt was the most prepared guest we've ever had. Yeah, oh my goodness. Like so just so you know. She was ready for her college thesis dissertation. Yeah, it was really good. Like we got on the prep call and Merritt was like, oh, we got, yeah, I got multiple points for you. Guys. Brought we my like, binder here. <laughs> throw our hands up we were like, oh, this learning and development person this prep call is uh, over okay. we are ready no. I, I will say I have like three pages of notes for even this call so I, yeah, I am that person annoying love it so much um, I would say another oh I do think one thing too is there is I think that there's a lot of talk in the industry about there being a difference between learning and development and training um, I do think that training teams should also own technology I think it's really important and I think that learning and development and training are synonymous at least in the recruitment world that I've seen in the agency world um, I agree, I'd agree. Again, that tech piece is, I think, imperative to the success of the team because it's not just soft skills and hard skills. You can combine them. And that's what's really important, but also understanding how your the business works and being able to apply that using the soft skills and using what you know of the company, um, I think is really important as well. And then I think in, in conclusion, <laughs> <laughs> Lady Buffington is bringing us into the conclusion of the call. I was, uh, you could have said, this is how we conclude it. Now we conclude it. There you go. No, but I think the last thing that we, that gets forgotten, um, the myriad of things that get, get forgotten in learning and learning and development is accountability. Okay. Uh, accountability for the learner, accountability for the content account, you know, accountability, and then some sort of measurement from an adoption perspective. Mm -hmm. What piece of advice from a metric perspective? Um, what should agencies be looking? You know, I get that question all the time. I don't, how do I hold people accountable to train? Like, just make sure they show up. Um, you know, how do I validate that they that they, you know, I mean, I see they finished it, but did they actually learn it? So how can we create accountability um, in ensuring that, you know, we're, we're getting that, that adoption that we want? That's a really good question. I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, there's, I think there's a lot of ways. Um, I think one, um, one, I think it's necessary to have the buy-in of the managers who can actually see and watch what their producers are doing to be able to see the use case of that. I think that that's something that you have to depend on as a trainer too, um, and as a training team, um, because you're not always there, right? And so you have to be able to depend on some feedback from managers and from other producers. Um, I think I listen, I'm a huge fan of all the nerdy stuff, feedback forms, surveys, quizzes, Yep. All of it. I'm a huge of that. Um, and I think it's incredibly necessary for you to actually be able to see what is this ROI? And to your point, are people actually using using it? And is it working? Um, is it hindering their process or is it helping their process? And then let's look at a solution if we're if it is hindering their process, right? With what we have. I think that that's also important. And listening. I think just listen. Uh, listening. That's a, that's a huge one. And, you know, the quizzes... There's a lot of like uh, misunderstanding about, you know, quizzing and validating that somebody knows something. Quite literally, it can be, well, we'll do, um, you know, maybe three quiz questions on a piece of content. And it's really just we're temperature checking. Are they, are they listening to the words, you know, and they're not overly complex, 
we're just ensuring that there was listening and acknowledgement in the three primary points that we're trying to capture. And therein lies probably from a content perspective, another opportunity is keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it short. Keep it short. Keep it simple. Micro learning is a big deal right now. There's a ton of content being put in front of end users and our just our attention spans are at what they used to be. Uh, no, but we used to have, you know, we used to be able to sit down for, you know, 30 minutes of learning, concentrated learning time. And we're down to below 10 minutes of concentrated learning time. Um, and that's, you know, precisely because we're all, we have so much of this, our mobile devices in our face and our ability to, you know, two screens, yeah, two screens, two screens, a phone, you know, a, a tablet of this and that your watch. Um, there's a lot of distractions. So our ability to retain all of that, um, you know, gets reduced. So make sure that you don't overcomplicate it. We in staffing love to overcomplicate. Yes. Yeah. Was there a video? Did it make sound? Were there words spoken? (laughs) Maybe not that simple, but yeah. Um, Well, we're more complicated. We've gotten this is social validation than that. But yeah, are you breathing? Video. Oh, come on, you're killing me here. Was there a human face with the mouth moving? Yes. yes right. All right. This was awesome. Uh, so, guys, what I heard, and I'm going to put this out in the universe, is Marin is going to help more people by creating more content. Here you go. I love it because it'll be fantastic. Um, but thank you so much, Mary. Any any closing uh, closing thought? Oh, I did not prepare for a closing thought. <laughs> or a follow, or a book you're reading. Any of those are acceptable right now. Um, the book I'm reading, I don't know. Um, and I'm it actually sounds... oh no, I'm reading about I'm reading the smartest guy in the room, the scandalous fall of Enron. So I don't know if that's really helpful to anybody. It's yeah, awesome. that's a that's a bad room Pretty to be in. Nice. That was a bad room to be that's in. A bad room to be in. <laughs> We don't want to be, um, that's the room you don't want to be when it happens. Let's, what, let's not, be honest, Alexander. Yeah, Burr, what not to I remember. Exactly. Yeah. Not to run a company. Yeah, yeah exactly. Learning a lot. Um, no, closing remarks. Um, I think that, um, I think training is underestimated and I'm here to help estimate it properly, if you will, um, especially within recruiting and staffing. It's an industry I know very, very well and I'm really passionate about. And I do think that training can add so much more to any business um, in myriad of different ways. Um, and so hopefully people learn something. From- love it. Yes. I love it, Baron. This has been, well, I mean, this is, you know, my my nerd's paradise. So I'm <laughs> yeah, so no. glad we're here to talk, talk about. talk about it. Believe me, <laughs> not going to do well. <laughs> yeah, so if you don't know about learning and training or training and learning, now you know. Now you know. The more you know. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, I was dropping a Biggie reference and you just turned oh, it whatever that uh, was. I, reading I, Rainbow? Sure. What did you do? Yeah, the more right? you know, you know. Oh, the G.I. Joe. <laughs> learning is half the battle. All right. We're going to go from our 90s references. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to the You Own the Experience podcast. You can catch all our previous episodes about our thriving staffing community by signing up for the Wiley newsletter. And coming soon is Staffing Huddle, an online open community dedicated to your staffing success. I'm Ralph. And I'm Lauren. Go do something good. <laughs>